This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Gold Star, who figure into this week's episode. Check out our entire collection of Gold Star apparel at cincyshirts.com. Click on the Partners tab, drop-down menu, and select Gold Star Chili, Gold Star Chili, Small Batch Chili, and Handcrafted Hamburgers. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO-FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 95. Today on our show, Zach Snyder from Luckman Coffee. There's a farm called the Terra Estates in Brazil. And I love everything they have. And sometimes they release these, like, micro-lock coffees that are so good. And we had this one called Novo Mundo. That was probably one of the best coffees I've ever had. And customers still ask me when we're getting it back in. Zach owns a Luckman Coffee location right there near the Beachmont Levee in Anderson Township. We learn all about coffee, including the fact that there are really only two kinds of coffee beans in the world. The difference beyond that? Well, Zach tells us all about that. We also find out if there really is a coffee shortage coming. Then, Zach casually mentions that he was in a massive tribute band back in the 90s. We'll find out the band uh, they were tributing, I guess, uh, and uh, how that all went for Zach uh, and his bandmates. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com. And be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Zach Snyder from Luckman Coffee. Cincinnati. All right, so Zach from Luckman Coffee. Yes, sir. Very good. And uh, Steve couldn't join us, but he suggested you. Yeah, I don't know why. There you go. Okay, well, so you said you'd be a, a great to talk to. So uh, I guess we should start uh, the origin story of Luckman Coffee. I know I live in the township, so uh, I've seen it for years and years, and I've stopped by. I have a, my cup right here. Um, so how did Luckman Coffee, uh, Luckman Coffee start? Uh, well, Steve Luckman actually was in the food industry for a long, long time, and he was originally out in Washington State, and his wife worked for a bank. They ended up here. He wanted to open his own coffee shop and started the one on Beachmont in December of 06. And then started growing a little bit and getting busier. So a coffee shop was closing on Clough and 8 Mile, and he decided to buy it out and open one there. And then after a few years, uh, he decided that he should move back home because his kids didn't visit enough. So then, oh, okay. then he, he was... Uh, trying to figure out what to do with the shops and ended up selling the one on Beachmont to me and the one on Clough and 8 Mile to a girl named Amanda Toft who worked for him for oh. a long time also. Okay. But he still owns the roasting portion of the business. I see. And he ended up opening an, another Luckman Coffee out in Washington State. So there's we, we like to consider ourselves a nationwide company. There you go. <laughs> Three-store chain. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, Tom and Cheese kind of like that now. They're kind of in disparate uh -huh. places. Yeah. because Yeah, okay. Cool. So um, so you, where are you from originally? 
uh, originally from El Paso, Texas. Oh, uh, nice. I moved here when I was four, so oh, okay. I'm from here. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're from here. So the obligatory what high school? Uh, Anderson. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Very good. Uh, I've been here 25 years, so okay. but all but all in the township for the most part. Yeah. A little bit time in Marymount, but um, okay. So how did you come to be involved in Luckman Coffee? Well, actually, <laughs> it's a weird, long story. Yeah, I'll make it That's brief. what we're here for. I don't know if you listen to any of the episodes, okay. but yeah, we love stories. So my brothers and I have always been into music. Okay. And we always, uh, we ended up starting a band and then... There was some weird transition periods, and we started playing in bars with our dad, who happened to be uh, a little bit of a drinker. He and my brother got into some stuff, and my brother ended up moving in with my mom, who lived in Mason, and and he got a job at a coffee shop called Kid Coffee, which used to be, there used to be one over in Hyde Park. Okay. Uh, which I think it's now Hyde Perk. But he got a job there. And then I needed uh, an extra job, so I ended up working with him at Kid Coffee. And then it got to be too much driving back and forth from Anderson to Mason every day. I was working five days a week there. So then I thought, I'll find a coffee shop close closer to here. Uh, just because I, after working in coffee, I wanted to have my own... My goal in life was to have my own coffee shop. And I thought, I'll work at another coffee shop, see whatever it's about. I ended up working for Steve. And then he needed somebody else... So my brother, who worked up in Mason, ended up getting a job with me at Luckman. And then uh, after that, then Steve told us that he was moving and he wanted to sell the shops. And so we hired my other brother. <laughs> and so now we all kind of work at the Beachmont store. Uh, okay. So what year was this? Uh, I started there in 2011. My brother Stevie started there in February of 2012. And then my brother Jake started there in December, I think, of thirteen. And you, you took, guys took over. When did he? When did Steve sell it? In March of fourteen. Okay. So right. it's been a while. Yeah, and uh, it's. I was there this morning at ten forty-five, and it was crazy busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, Friday. And you've got a uh, a, a, a huge competitor. <laughs> I would say less than a football field away yeah, yeah. in the plaza. Helps you know, that the plaza's dead. <laughs> but um. Uh, yeah, how do you uh, account for that? I mean, is it... Well, actually, everybody told Steve Luckman that he was crazy for opening it there because there's a large national yeah. competitor next mm -hmm. door. And he saw it more like there's built-in coffee business in the neighborhood. I can get some of that. And then other people who just want to come in and try a local coffee shop. And it ended up a, a lot of our like morning regulars originally went to that that place and then they saw saw Luckman when he opened, thought he was crazy, had to go check it out, and then ended up being our regular since before I even worked there. So it, it seems counterintuitive to open a business right next to a national chain. Yeah. But it ended up working out very well. So, so your first, I guess, foray into the coffee business was as a barista. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, same. I used to work at the airport at... Um, you ever, uh, years ago when the, the Hudson News stores were there? Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I remember Concourse C. There was a huge cafe there. And okay. We had, yeah, I know yeah, yeah. So I, uh, and everybody at first was scared to death to work in there because it was busy. It was crazy. It was hectic. You had to make all these drinks and then nobody, and of course it was, 
then every, after we were there a while, that's where everybody wanted to work yeah. <laughs> was there because it was fun and it was busy and the day went fast and you got to make coffee drinks. But yeah. um, So how did you, your knowledge of coffee grow from being a barista, making the drinks to kind of, you know, learning the business? Well, I mean, it, a lot of it was just Steve Lepin. Like, uh, he used to do this thing where during the holidays, uh, the employees who sold the most, like, gift boxes or whatever, uh, the two would go with him to Coffee Fest, which was usually in, like, New York or something. Oh, nice. And I, Amanda and I, actually on the same year, uh, won the sales thing, and we went up, uh, and so that taught me a lot, a lot just about general everything in the coffee business, because I'd never been to, like, an expo before. But Steve... Uh, a lot of what I know is from Steve Luckman because he he was the uh, like the main beverage guy for U.S. Foods for a long time. Oh, okay. Uh, and so he's just really smart in a lot of areas, but he also just really loves coffee. So, uh, I mean, he's like a coffee dictionary, basically. Okay. So uh, almost all of what I learned initially was from Steve because the, the coffee shop I worked at before was more just kind of about uh, – selling drinks and not yeah. really into like all there is in coffee. So, and that's what I wanted to uh, get into. Like what, wh- how does your interest and in love of coffee start? I used to do the, a joke in the old open mic days that I didn't like, um, I remember my own joke here. I didn't like, uh, spinach till I was 19. I didn't like, uh, coffee till I was 26. I didn't like beer till I was 12. <laughs> and, but anyway, this, that's basically basic true. I didn't really drink coffee until I was out of college. Mm-hmm. I was a tea drinker and still am, but I got the like coffee and then now I'm obsessed. But how did your, uh, Love of coffee well, develop. I, my dad always just drank like crappy Kroger brand. Same drip coffee, instant coffee from the seventies. Uh, no, that was my that, uncle. It, okay, yeah, that's uh, a whole another story Oof. we don't need to get into. But yeah, uh, no, my my mom was born in Iran, and so mm. I grew up, and my grandparents would always drink little Turkish coffees, and uh, when I was. I always kind of wanted to drink coffee because it looked like grown up. But when yeah. I was about uh, 17 or 18, I got really into the Turkish coffee, uh, which this was like right before I started working in coffee. And it's just, I mean, it's its so uh, different than like, it's kind of like espresso, but about this much, like a quarter of an inch of the bottom is grounds because it's made with the grounds in it. And so I, I don't know why I got so into it. Uh, <laughs> But I started drinking that, and then I started working with my brother. And it really, it, it really didn't start that I like loved, loved coffee until I started working in it mm-hmm. and realizing how much there is to it and how, because my dad kind of raised me in that there's black coffee and then there's like sissy coffee. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and so, like, even when I was, my brother and I were working at Kid Coffee, we'd bring him home, like, much nicer coffee than what he was used to, and he just would spit it out, basically, because it wasn't, uh, like, sawdust grounds that huh. he was used to. That's strange, because I would think that would be more like real coffee, actually. Well, I think it was all in his brain. He, just, yeah. he saw that it was not in a can, and then it was bad. Yeah. It was, it was it was a sham, and there's no such thing as better coffee. It's just... Coffee's coffee. Yeah. Yeah, which is certainly not true. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I went from putting a lot of cream and sugar into it yeah. to now drink, I just drink it black. 
Yeah, like that's a, how like I, a grown up, as I like to say. Yeah, <laughs> I used to. I mean, when, when I first started, like as a barista, I would drink flavored drinks all the time. Yeah, especially because the the original place I was working at wasn't using high quality stuff, and it was just kind of we would get it from a Seven Hills Coffee. They do a lot of. Uh, like I think UDF gets their stuff from there. Okay. Zerbati, they they're a big supplier for the area, and they have they have different tiers of stuff. And so, uh, but I would flavor up my coffee because I didn't really like how it tasted. Plus, yeah. I just had an immature palate. Right. Uh, and then that's kind of what made me especially want to start working at Luckman was because I remember going there and getting a, a plain latte and thinking, how come this is so good? And there's there's no sugar. There's no flavor or anything why is this so much better so that got me really interested in what goes into espresso blending and and roasting and all that stuff which another thing i love about what we do is that we roast all our stuff on site uh we put the roasted date on the coffee instead of like i mean coffee's good for a long time really so usually it's a best buy date on something but we like to put the roasted date on there so even if it's uh what we consider older, which would be like two weeks, which isn't old at all for coffee, it's you know it's always going to be fresh, and it, yeah. it makes a big difference. I, I imagine uh, on the flavored side, I remember uh, I used to like getting the caramel lattes from where I worked at the airport, oh. simply because they would buy this crazy expensive uh, Italian syrup. Oh, yeah. My father would say Italian syrup, <laughs> uh, I, Italian syrup that I guess someone had sourced a long time ago in their. Uh, when they first started the Euro Cafe, actually, they this cafe they started at the airport, the Euro Cafe, was a little chain in Washington, and they bought the licensing rights for it. And then okay. all of the Hudson News coffee shops were called Euro Cafes, okay. and, and it was really good coffee. And they had really expensive syrups. And I thought one of these days they're going to realize they can buy cheaper syrup, and they never did. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, um, yeah, I, I moved it to Blackmore for, for health reasons. Good way to cut sugar out of your diet. Yeah, take it out of your coffee. And once you get used to it, it's, it's yeah. kind of you put cream and sugar in, and you're like, this isn't how I remember it. It's not as good as I thought. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm big on Cafe Olay's now, too, after yeah. going to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. That's a big New Orleans thing. Yeah, but anyway. we used to do a chicory coffee. Oh, yeah? To make Cafe Olay's out of. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brew River used to get it from us. Okay. Uh, just didn't sell very well because it's an odd, Yeah, it is an odd thing. A distinct yeah. flavor. It, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I don't think I'm keen, though. Uh, sometimes. If I'm feeling in a very New Orleans and creative mood and I want to sit and write at the coffee, maybe I would do that. Yeah. But, um, that's a strange. How did anyone ever figure to put chicory in coffee? Like, uh, I think on the side of the road. Just throw that in the coffee. As far as I remember, it is because it was a filler. Oh, they okay. enough coffee. Oh. They wanted something to go in there because I think it was during the Civil War that they uh, – started mixing chicory in with coffee. There you have it. How'd they settle on chicory, do you know? Did they just I don't trial know. and error, probably? Yeah. It was the least gross thing they could find to put it Probably, in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So getting back to the beans, how do you like source beans and stuff like that? How do you source your coffee? So it, it, uh, we used to get most of our stuff from a company called Theta Ridge in Indiana just because it was convenient. They have a lot of good stuff. The guy who owns it is... Uh, very good to the places that he gets his coffee from. Uh, and then uh, we still get a lot of coffee from them, and we get it uh, from another place called Genuine Origin, which we try and get... I mean, we always try and get the highest quality beans we can. Like with our uh, Hawaiian coffee, we get that directly from Maui. It comes in through New York, and then they send it to us. But we just usually try and find uh, high-quality stuff... 
that's not uh, sourced from people who are abusive to the workers. There you go. <laughs> and and then we roast it up. If it's good, then we usually keep it. Okay. And do you do the roasting right there at the? Yep, it's uh, actually in the back of the shop. Where there's a, a little curtain that yes, yeah. no uh, employees only, okay. employees and degenerates only. Actually, it says. Uh, okay. So, so my brother's allowed back there. Okay. So, <laughs> so how long does it take to like to to like you get the the beans in? They come in, I guess, I guess uh, raw, obviously. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, okay. So how long does it take to to do the roasting and get it ready for? Uh, so, it's actually when I first started roasting, I was surprised at how quick it is. And we actually, uh, a couple of years ago, we got a new bigger roaster, which helped out a lot because we, my brother, my brother is the head roaster and it was just getting to the point where he had no time to do anything other than the roasting because he also works up front. And so that roaster ended up, the original one ended up crapping out. And so Steve got a, I think it's a 30 K roaster. So now for about, it's about 20 something pounds, depending on the coffee because each coffee roasts a little bit differently it's about uh, probably 20 minutes from green coffee oh. to cooled roasted coffee hmm. so i always thought it i mean before i started roasting i thought it was yeah. a much longer process but yeah, yeah. It, it goes really fast because it's in a big drum and there's flames going on it and it's rotating and rotating and rotating oh, and wow. everything gets nice and cooked so is there like a, a science of like you know uh, sometimes you hear people say that beans are over roasted, but is that really a thing? Yeah. Well, when when whenever you hear somebody say that, like Starbucks, they lots of people their complaint is that it tastes burnt. It does have a bit of a distinct flavor. Yeah, I'm not the, I'm not keen. Yeah. There's different there's different uh, uh, schools of thought on on how you roast different coffees. So we're what you call a profile roaster, which we take each each different kind of coffee and try and roast it to the way that gets the most flavor out of that particular bean or the best flavor. And the, like the older way of roasting is you roast certain things to a certain color, basically. Okay. And so Starbucks, uh, does a lot of their stuff and I'm not sure about how it is all now. This is just yeah. in, in general history. They would roast stuff darker, like an Italian roast. Cause like our, our dark roast, our house dark roast, would be considered really a Vienna roast, which isn't like really that dark. It's kind of on the lighter side of dark. Where as they're like, I think it's the Pikes. There's like regular coffee is darker than our dark roast, and so it gets yeah. that charry flavor. Which with some coffees, like our Sumatra, is our darkest roasted coffee, and that bean is better with a little bit of char flavor. But then like certain coffees, like like an Ethiopian coffee, if you start African coffees are typically on the sweet side naturally and so if you start roasting them darker and darker and darker depending on the coffee again it, it kind of loses the best flavor of that bean so most of our stuff is actually on the lighter side it's either medium or light because that keeps intact like the sweetness and the full flavor of the coffee instead of adding a flavor that's not actually from the coffee it's from overcooking it basically. yeah so are there different species of coffee? Because I know there's, you know, these other... there's, there's Arabica and Robusta, but we don't have any Robusta because, as Steve Luckman would say, when you roast it, it makes your roaster smell like urine. Oh. Uh, some people use, and there's ways to use it, and really you'd want a, like a separate roaster for it because it does stink up. But some people will put Robusta in like an espresso blend, and it adds... Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, kind of like a round flavor to it. I, I don't know how to 
say yeah. it right, but uh, people have I've had espressos with robusta in it that are very good. It's just for for what we do, uh, our stuff I don't think needs it, and uh, it's just robusta is kind of a low quality coffee that's only used in certain situations unless you're like getting just a low end coffee. Yeah. Uh, but then other than that, they're all like most coffee you're drinking is arabica beans. Okay. But then they get branch out. From that's that's so funny because um you know McDonald's makes that big stink about it. it's it's arabica coffee and you think oh it's arabica yeah, coffee. Yeah, well, it sounds but it's, fancy. But yeah, but it's every coffee. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, but mar- the marketing boys at McDonald's. Yeah, I know. That. It's a so, fancy word. So but the difference is that then is where it's grown, like Hawaii versus Yeah, really Africa what gives versus... coffee the flavor for the most part is the soil it's grown in. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's why like volcanic soil is really good. That's why a lot of Hawaiian coffees are very very good. Uh and then just kind of you can a lot of coffees grown in similar regions have similar qualities. So like I said, like African coffees are very like floral and sweet for the most part. And Central American uh, coffees tend to be more on like the earthy side. And then Vietnamese coffees I've never had, so yeah. I can't say. But uh, it really all depends on where it's grown. Then I mean, you do get differences in like if you get a pea berry, which. Uh, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but when coffee's in the berry pit, or it's, it is a berry pit. So when it's in the berry, it's put together like this. So then when you see the individual beans, they have the flat side and the round side. Okay. And a pea berry is actually a mutant that they used to throw away because instead of being two individual uh, pieces of the pit, it, it would grow together like this. And it's, it's one. Oh, okay. There's one per cherry instead of two. Okay. And so, uh, like one of our coffees is called, we call it sweet pea, but it's the pea berry of my favorite coffee that we have, which is we call blue. It's a sweet blue bourbon from Brazil. Ah. Uh, and because usually coffee berries are red and this one is like a purpley blue, but it does give it, uh, the pea berries have a different flavor than, than their non-mutant counterparts. So like you taste the sweet pea next to the blue and they taste a lot different even though they're the same plant. Yeah. So is there like a difference in how long they stay on the vine and stuff like there is with uh, grapes and things like that when they're making wine or is that? No, it's really just about harvesting when the cherry's ready to go. And then there's the whole washing process and then drying, uh, which is actually interesting because when we were talking about roasting, I was thinking about how uh, there's some beans that roast. We have this one called Monsoon Malabar, which... It's got that name because it would get kind of its washing process done when it was being transferred from India back to Europe. So it would go through a monsoon. And so they kind of recreate how it's washed now. But the bean, it's so different from any other beans we have. It's really soft. You can, like, dent it when it's green with your fingernail, Hmm. whereas other ones are more hard. And that coffee is – we use that in our espresso. We don't really sell it by itself because it's kind of a weird flavor. It's, like, musty. But – uh, it's interesting how, like that coffee, you have to start the flame off really, really low. Otherwise, I accidentally did this a couple times when I was roasting a lot. If you start it on the wrong temperature, it just scorches right away. And then you, oh. you pull it out of the roaster and you can just smash it with your fingers because <laughs> it's like ash. Wow. So what's a typical day like for you? Uh, <laughs> pretty boring. I go into work. I, I open. What, I make sure that I get to open. What time do you guys get there? I get there at well, I'm supposed to get there at five, but 
I'm usually pretty tired, so I get there at like five ten. Okay. And then I get my uh, half hour to myself while I while I open up the shop, and then I I mean basically I'm a glorified employee who gets the uh, title of boss, and I get to tell other people what to do. But I'm a, I'm a barista. Yeah. Does paperwork basically. Okay. All right. And then uh, usually have a couple people there in the morning, and depending on how busy it is, we either slack off in the back or work up front. I see. And how late do you guys stay open during? Weekdays, 5.30. So okay. 12 hours on weekdays, and then Saturdays we close at 4. Okay. And Sundays at 3. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I know a lot of places that, you know, well, in the related, like, donut business, you know, like Tim Hortons feel that they have to. I know you guys have food as well, mm-hmm. but these places feel they have to have, well, we, Tim Hortons, like, we need to serve paninis and all of that. And I get that, but that's a place that's basically been known for two things for 50 years, donuts and coffee. Yeah. And then do you kind of get tempted to offer more things or is you? It depends. Uh, we used to. We used to, because we weren't as busy, we used to have a lot more time for baking stuff because we bake all of our stuff in the shop. I was wondering. I, I almost got a muffin this morning, but I'm yeah. doing that. I'm doing that uh, fasting diet where you can't eat till noon. Ooh. So I figured, yeah. It's rough. It is. It is. But, you, you get used to it. But that's why, again, that's why black coffee. You're allowed to drink black coffee. Well, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, no, we just, we used to have a lot more time. And before uh, I had my son, my wife used to work a lot there and she would come in and do a lot of like, extra baking stuff because okay. she's a very good baker and so now it's gotten to the point where we're busy we have our like core items which are muffins and quiche and cookies and that kind of stuff uh but i think it would just be too uh impractical to try and add more stuff than we have i mean we have breakfast sandwiches and panini sandwiches with but like we used to do like new york style crumb buns which are delicious but the batch took it took forever because the dough had to proof and oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff and then it, you would get 16 out of a batch and people loved them so much they'd sell out in like 5 minutes and then be like I did all that work <laughs> and they're gone and that's a whole new skill set too when, yeah. when you have to do baking and stuff oh yeah yeah. so how many different kind of coffee drinks can, do you guys make uh, I mean I'll make anything that anybody wants me to but I mean typically like for espresso drinks we usually make the bulk of it is lattes and then we have just, we usually have, for drip coffees, we have dark, medium, and a light every day in decaf. Uh, but a lot of people now, I've tried to switch just because I like it. My mm-hmm. favorite drink is, there's a bunch of different names for it, but I guess the most common one would be a Cortado. But it's about uh, a double shot of espresso and then about an equal amount of milk. Oh. milk, Which that's kind of everybody that works there's go-to drink. Oh, I'll have to try that. Yeah, it's good. And then and then a lot of the morning regulars either started with that or we've converted them to that just because we like it and think it's a good drink. Yeah, the problem with your uh, neighbor that I think people realize is that there's just so many drinks that they have that I think it gets a little overwhelming for the yeah. staff. And it's, yeah, and it's the it's easy to start making mistakes. And I don't know, I think they... They probably bat about seven fifty on my daughter's <laughs> order a lot of the time. Yeah. So, um, have you guys like uh, gotten into technology and gonna get an app going or anything like that? Or uh, you is it? I kind of like. Uh, I like because people always, especially and this isn't really technological. People say, "Are you gonna put in a drive-through?" And I, the the club store has a drive-through. Yeah. Which is good because they get a lot of like. People taking their kids to school and want to drive in. And in that coffee. area of the township, yeah. that's it, We get a lot of people on their way to work because they're going towards Columbia Parkway. Yeah. And I, I just like, I kind of like that people are forced to come in. 
And yeah. like, we'll, we'll accept like call ahead orders and stuff like that, but I don't really want to do an app and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I like that it's simple. It's easy That's for me. Nobody has to really deal with anything and nothing really goes that catastrophically wrong without the added technology. So I know you just have the one store, but do you have, have to, do you ever travel for, I said, you think you and Steve went to the, the coffee mm-hmm. convention, but do you travel uh, a lot for your, for business to source coffee, to try coffees or anything like that? Or just- uh, No, usually you can get, uh, we can get people to send us samples of stuff just to okay. try it. But a lot of times Steve Luckman will just, like a new coffee will pop up from wherever we're getting it from and they'll send us a sample or he'll just be curious and, and buy us like a uh, a big bag of it and we'll roast it up and if we end up liking it we'll keep getting it and if we don't then we just don't care anymore so uh, a lot of stuff we get though like uh, I forget what happened he got some deal on uh, this one coffee from there's a there's a farm called De Terra Estates in Brazil which is where Blue and Sweet Pea come from and I love everything they have and sometimes they release these like limited, uh, like micro lot coffees that are so good. And we had this one called Novo Mundo, which we called New World because that's what it means. Yeah. And that was probably one of the best coffees I've ever had. And customers still ask me when we're getting it back in. Oh. And it's 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 kind of the thing where they only make a certain amount at a certain time, and you can only get so much. And when it runs out, they don't really know when it's going to be back until they've collected enough to sell. But we, we kind of just get coffees through uh, whatever whatever Steve decides that he should buy a new one. Like, we just started getting a Ugandan coffee in that's really, really good. And that's an African coffee that you kind of roast darker. So what uh, what made the Nouveau Mundo different? Like, where it was grown or how? Uh, it, it's just, that one was a micro lot. So they kind of take the best of their crop and then they, oh, they keep it. Oh. And then they build up enough to sell out uh, in large quantities, and then once it's gone, it's gone. It's not like it's not like just okay. We are harvesting all this, sell it as blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think, I can't remember what if it was uh, related to the blue coffee or not, but that was really good coffee, and I miss it very much. So, how long can raw coffee beans last? I mean, they they travel A long time. Okay. I mean, they're dried oh, okay They're, it's like if you look at a cherry like if you had a bunch of cherry pits laying around that were dried out in the sun if yeah. you keep them dry they'll, oh, yeah. they'll last quite a while and once it's roasted and ground when it's roasted i mean really like a very long time if when you once you grind coffee because when you roast coffee it immediately technically starts to stale Okay. And because coffee releases gases, mm-hmm. and that's why on coffee bags they have the one-way uh, valve so that the gas, the bag doesn't explode, basically. Yeah. And the thing is, once you grind coffee, that accelerates the staling process, basically. But it, if you're not super snobby, I one time found like a six-month-old bag of ground coffee in my cabinet, and I drank it, and it was fine. 
Yeah, the problem we had at the airport was, I swear, by the end it tasted different because we went from being crazy busy in the early 2000s to Delta cut flights. Uh, the point where we had to close the big cafe. Oh, yeah. We only had the one store on the Beacon course. And, of course, the, the beans would lay around for a while. And then we would grind the beans uh, daily. But that even that would still sit around for a couple of days. And it just seemed to kind of affect it. And, of course, you know, the, the canisters would... You know, the, it wouldn't flow through as fast. You know, there wasn't yeah. as much turnover. So, well, people always ask me because uh, when we're uh, grinding espresso under the espresso grinder, there you get a lot, of, a lot of waste grinds. Yeah, just from falling out of the portafilter or something. And people always ask me, "Do you scoop those up and reuse them?" And I have to tell them, like, you actually can't, because like if you pre-grind like the, um, an amount of espresso for a double shot and you let it sit there for a few minutes, it yeah. will not brew the same because oh, yeah. it's lost all the gas yeah. and it, ch- it just changes the way that it, that it acts. So, uh, it's one of those things where if, yeah, technically it's okay to drink like a year old ground coffee, but it's not, it's not going to be as good. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you reckon things like, you know, Maxwell House and Folgers and that stuff have such a different taste? Is it, because of the huge manufacturing process that kind of... partly that, but, I mean, it's they're trying to sell it for what the price they sell it for, not too expensive, uh, so they're not sourcing the best stuff. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they get their large amounts of their quality coffee that people are happy with, and they can sell it for the price without making it... Because, I mean, our coffee is more expensive because it's higher quality. Yeah. But, I mean, for somebody who wants to spend $4 on... Like two pounds of coffee, they can they can go get that. Okay, makes sense. And you say Steve still owns the roasting business. Yes. How does that work in relation to the stores? So it's like I like to call it a like a half-ass franchise. <laughs> okay. We we both kind of uh, operate independently, but we do the same stuff more or less. But we have we're not like Steve's not like the overlord saying you have to do this and this and this and this, but he. Basically, we both buy the coffee from Steve Luckman. Okay. At cost. Okay. Uh, and then he, like, he was in charge when the roaster broke down. Like, he was in charge of getting the new roaster and stuff. But uh, so we, he was, Steve was very nice to us when he sold us the shop. So basically, we keep him. What well, we pay Steve for coffee and stuff keeps the roasting business going. Okay. So. And then that's sold just, you can, of course, buy that in the actual coffee shop. Mm-hmm. But is it, is it can sold in stores or anything like that? or? Uh, not right now. Okay. We used to be in Whole Foods. We used to have an organic oh. coffee. Uh, but then you have to have a separate roaster for it to be called fully organic. Uh. Unless you do, like, a dummy batch in between of that and then throw it away. But uh, right now, just at the shops. Okay. And there's got to be some crazy stories of things that have happened no, well, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, the espresso machine broke. <laughs> so what happened then? Well, I pulled a few hairs out, and then we, we used to have it like a little traveling espresso machine that also was broken, which I would use for backup if if something yeah. happened like that. And so I ended up, my wife had the brilliant idea of just buy another traveling espresso machine because we're going to need it for events, and then this way, if something goes wrong with the espresso machine, you can still make drinks. But it's this little machine. It, it it can't brew shots and steam milk at the same time. So luckily, Steve Luckman also is kind of a pack rat, and when he had moved, he let let us go through some of his like equipment that he couldn't 
or didn't want to take out to Washington with him. And my brother, who is also a pack rat, happened to have these just, they're steamers. So it's just a tall thing with a steam wand on it uh, that okay. ended up saving us because it was still taking a while to make drinks. And luckily, customers were very patient with us. But it was like, without that separate steamer, it would have taken us like four minutes per drink, which Ooh. when you have a line of people and some people ordering multiple drinks at once, it, it starts to get a little bit crazy. So you keep one on hand for emergencies now? Just in, Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> that's, you say you do events too? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like we were just at the Pumpkin Chuck at Stanbury Park. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's kind of tricky for us. I did a wedding last year uh, oh. just serving coffee. But uh, we used to do a lot more until that little machine broke. And then I'm like, I'm going to slow it down a little bit because this is getting to be quite tricky. You guys are allowed to get in a truck? Uh, we used to have a trailer. Oh, okay. And and then Steve Luckman, it's a weird whole, again, long story. Uh, the first one got stolen. Stolen? Yeah. It was, he used to park it, uh, towards, there's a retaining wall at the shop and he would park it there, put a lock on the, on the, uh, whatever the thingy. And then one morning we came in and there was the chain and the padlock had been cut and the trailer was gone. And so then he got another trailer after that. And I don't have a trailer hitch on my car. Yeah. And when he was moving, I'm like, Steve, I can't actually really use this. And so he ended up selling that. And I would just rent U-Haul vans for yeah. like, those big ones for events. But huh. now now that I have that little machine in our... Because the problem was always our traveling machine. Steve Luckman had built this rolling contraption that it sat on. And it weighed like 10,000 pounds. And it needed to be put in a trailer because it's like this tall. But now that we have this little one, I can I have a little hatchback. I can throw it in. Huh. Not have to worry too much about it. So, did the the one that got stolen? Did it say Luckman Coffee on it? Because I can't imagine that'd be too hard to track down. No, I don't think it did. Oh, it's okay. just a white plane trailer. Oh, then yeah, then anybody. But could. I just remember Steve Luckman talking to the police. He's like, if you see anybody selling like a cooler and like restaurant uh, equipment out of a trailer, that's my trailer. Wow, that's they crazy. Caught, though. So, um, are some events better than others? I I reckon for because we've I asked because we do events mm-hmm. and. We know what events will be really, you know, obviously Holiday Market was big for us and yeah. Get a Fest and Taste of Cincinnati are probably the biggest ones we yeah. do. You ever do Taste of Cincinnati? Mm. Yeah, you, you guys should get in on that. Yeah, that's uh, those do great. Then we're always asked to do these other ones that on the river, like in Newport, and some of them are okay. We got asked to do one in Mason that a friend of mine had to run for me because I was on vacation and it was, we sold like four shirts. Oh. And, yeah, so do you guys ever have, do people, uh, Often want you guys at events, or just kind of a thing where you it's say, "Hey, this will like be fun." It's not like a super big yeah. uh, interest on on for a lot of people, but uh, we always the past couple of years I haven't done the pumpkin chuck because one, my son was born last year, which was just too hectic, and then before that it was our, the little espresso machine was broken, and this year I just said I'm going to do it. I'm not going to bring an espresso machine. We'll just have coffee, and it ended up being that thing is crazy busy. But other than that, we've done, like, uh, church-like events. Uh, the wedding was okay. But it's it's just one of those things where I kind of ha- have to go out based off of what I hear from the person who wants and, like, is asking about it. Yeah. And one time, Steve and I did a, a soccer tournament, like, for, th- I think it was two or three days at Auto Arm Leader Park. Yeah. 
and it was March and it was snowing and it was freezing cold, but Ooh. it ended up, I mean, well, yeah. good for business. There was lots of kids who wanted hot chocolates and stuff. Oh, there you go. But really it just, I won't do something I think in, unless it's going to be worth the, the, the hassle of bringing everything out. Yeah, you mentioned hot chocolate. Do you, do you specialize in related drinks too to make them, or do you just have garden variety hot chocolate and tea and things like uh, that? Oh well, I mean, for our hot chocolates, we uh, we don't use like a powder or anything. We melt like dark chocolate into oh, milk, okay, so that it's tasty. But uh, like for for drinks like that, other than coffee, like teas, I, I wouldn't say we have like an extraordinary selection of teas, but we pick like a higher quality of the Hardy and Sons tea. Uh, and then I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, I remember at the airport, we uh, now that I met, uh, think about it, we'd, we we would steam the milk for the hot chocolate. But I think we just used uh, chocolate syrup. But yeah, it's an amazing difference what a steamer will do yeah. for milk. Yeah. 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 I used to, when I worked at a different coffee shop, we used, which sounds really good, but it didn't really <laughs> end up working very well. It was powdered Ghirardelli chocolate. Okay. And... It, to me, it just didn't work with the milk. It, my brother used to always joke that it tastes like Cheez-Its. <laughs> you <laughs> that's <mix> weird. It. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's weird. And then you have like the, the, the Swiss Miss packs and yeah. things like that. I mean, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where, where is co- coffee culture going, you think? I mean, it, this is... This I think it's kind of just become a normal part of uh, American culture. Because that's... Pe- like, people always say, how do you live with stuff? Starbucks next door and blah, blah, blah. I hate Starbucks. And I say, well, they kind of made coffee like... A, thing. a normal thing in America, so you kind of have to enjoy them for that. Because yeah. I remember, again, back to my dad, there was a news story on, I think it was about like latte art competitions or something in the early 2000s, and my dad was making fun of it. Like, that's so stupid. Uh, uh, drink black coffee, nothing else. And it's funny how it went from like so many people drinking black instant coffee or just like run-of-the-mill what you get at the grocery store and how now specialty coffee is the, almost the norm for a lot of people. And I remember hearing about a year ago or so we were get, we were running out of coffee or there was going to be some big coffee crisis. Yeah, there's, well, in, in a lot of South American countries, there's this disease on the plant called coffee rust that just oh, like yeah, that's what it is. It, and it, it has affected a lot of uh, farms and, and that kind of stuff. But as far as I know right now, supply is okay. I think, I don't remember if it was this year or last year that Brazil or some country had like a too much coffee. Oh. Which is, is good for us. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really just, it's one of those things you, you can't really pay that much attention to. Because if if people run out of coffee, then uh, obviously that's bad. But until then, if you can get coffee, you just got to keep going along. And is South America still the biggest? I know today's blend was Peru. I noticed at the yeah. at the shop. Is it still the 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 lion's share of coffee come from South America, or are these other places like Africa and Hawaii? And you know, you I'm know? actually not very sure. I think still Brazil is the largest country producer of coffee, but I'm not up to date on that information. So is, is coffee something you can grow at home? You can. It? Uh, it, we used to, at one point, we were selling little coffee plants in these, like, coffee mug planters. Oh, neat. It's just, it, it's, it grows best in, like, the tropics. Yeah. Like, close to the equator. And so, 
Plus, you would like the amount of plants you would have to have to I get was gonna like, say. a pound of coffee. Yeah, would be like you wouldn't want want to mess with it. My dad tried growing a pineapple. <laughs> he lives in Orlando, and he finally got it to grow. It took two years, and it's about as big as my small cup of coffee really? here. But he was so happy. That How was, do those grow? The, the those t- yeah they well they grow best in if in the United States closer to Miami where it's really hot. It's, it's already too cold in Orlando for them to really grow oh, properly. Really? That's why, yeah. And that's why I guess they grow better in Hawaii. Do they just need constant? I guess so, yeah. And it takes them at least two years to mature. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, there you and go. I, don't they grow in that, like, yeah, yeah. out of the ground the uh, way they look? Exactly, it's yeah, so yeah. Weird. Yeah, that's disturbing. But he was so happy that he got he got one to grow over. And he said, I was not going to try it again, though. It's just too long. <laughs> but he was able to keep it alive for two years. So I guess that's something. Well, bravo. Yeah. So when you're traveling out, you know, where there's, you don't have a, a store, obviously, a Luckman store, what, where do you get your coffee? So you go to Columbus or you go to visit relatives somewhere in the country. Are you a, a coffee snob or do you just like, ah, I'll just run through McDonald's drive through and? Uh, well... I'll usually try and find a local coffee shop. Okay. If not, I'll go to a Starbucks because uh, you know you're going to get the same thing at every Starbucks. That's so true. it's not going to be bad. Uh, I can't really do gas station coffee anymore. I, <laughs> I remember, <coughs> excuse me, a couple years ago I thought for nostalgia's sake I would try some, some like Highlander Grog or something from a yeah. gas station. And it's just, I am snobby in that regard. I can't yeah. do gas station coffee, but... I'll, I mean, if I need coffee, I'll, I'll get it from somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't have uh, – I've had too much bad luck with some gas station coffees, mm. like the big chain in town. It's okay if you drink it black. Yeah. Uh, the thing I – is, is terrible is – and we got they had this at the airport was um, when they – the 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 machines, they just make them from – they make the, uh, the coffee drinks from powder – and oh, yeah. Make, oh, my God. It was terrible. Because we used to make all of – when we had the place on Concourse C, we would properly make you a latte with espresso and all yeah. this. Well, when that store closed and we only had the little one on B, we had fresh roasted coffee. But if you wanted like a mocha or something like that, it was this machine and we poured powder in it. I'm yeah. like, I can we not even serve this? This is embarrassing, yeah. especially with the reputation of that. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We got to do that, which is um, – so I guess that leads to a good question is, you know, how do you kind of maintain that – Reputation and is that an important thing for, especially for a local coffee shop? Yeah, I mean, you just like when the okay. I hate to go back to the old coffee shop I worked at, but there was <laughs> one point where the espresso machine broke, and instead of just not selling espresso drinks or quote unquote espresso drinks, and we were directed to microwave milk, ooh, and then to. Uh, brew espresso into an air pot, like just fill up a filter so that it came out like really concentrated. Uh-huh. And I was, my brother and I were like, I don't want to do this <laughs> at all, but we have to. So that was, I mean, at like at the shop that we've had a couple of times this year where the espresso machine is broken and just won't sell. Yeah. We won't try and pretend that we can make the same drink. So in the day, like we've had like whole mornings where we've had to say we can only serve black coffee right now or smoothies or that kind of stuff. But I just, for, for quality, I like to use, uh, I like to make sure everybody knows how to make drinks to the right temperature, uh, how much of what goes in what if, cause a lot of, a lot of times, uh, like when people first start working coffee, the hardest, one of the hardest parts about making a good drink is how you steam the milk. 
Oh, yeah. Because, again, like when yeah. I first learned coffee, I wasn't taught how to foam the milk right. Yeah. You got to uh, keep that nozzle clean. Yeah. You got to keep, keep it cool. Clean. Oh, yeah. Get it, get it's it all coming back to me. Milk. Yeah, yeah. Because other, you either are going to make no foam at all, and the, when you're steaming the milk, it screams, basically. Yeah. And then, or you'll make like giant soap bubble yeah. foam, which is disgusting. Yeah. So it's just kind of, uh, there is like a weird art to just the milk. Or, which is as important as the espresso if you're making that's, it. That's true, yeah. And if you leave it too long, of course, it'll explode everywhere. Yeah, I've <laughs> yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah, I've had that happen a couple of times, yeah. Um, good luck cleaning that up, too. It, <laughs> it gets all smelly. Um, another snobbery related, is this reminds me of, is um, my wife will make me an iced tea, mm. and I will try to make her properly make her iced tea, like by boiling the water. And, yeah. and even though it's Lipton, I still insist on it. And she's, oh, no, just put it in the microwave. And I'm like... What are you crazy? If yeah. an Englishman saw you do that, she'd. And my daughter was dating a a, a Scotsman, uh, and he was mortified that we would microwave our tea. And I'm like, you are not wrong, it. sir. That happened to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. We went to England when I was a kid, and my dad uh, asked this English guy who was in the place we were staying if he wanted a tea, and then he started microwaving the water. Went no, 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 no. <laughs> you nuts. And so they had like an electric kettle there. He's like, you do this, do this. Yeah, yeah. But it does. I mean, I can tell when wa- water's been microwaved. Because yeah. It's yeah. It has a weird flavor to it. Another thing that'll mortify you is my my dad and my mother-in-law do the same thing. If there's still coffee left in the pot, if it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they will pour it into the cut and they'll microwave. And I'm like, yeah. please let me make you a fresh cup of fresh yeah. They don't want to be a bother. They're like, oh, no, this is fine. No, it's not. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny, uh, too, because that, I mean, not only does that concentrate the coffee, but if you have, like, a like a regular glass coffee pot sitting on a burner mm-hmm. as it's as you're getting to the bottom and it's sitting there longer yeah the, co- the water's evaporating and you're getting like muddier yeah. muddier coffee and then when you microwave it then you're losing even more water and it just becomes like gruel so any tips for people to make better coffee at home uh the one of the most important things and people always ask me how come when i make the, like uh, your coffee at home it doesn't taste the same the most important thing other than grinding, but for like a whole machine is the temperature the water gets to. Because usually like uh-huh. if you buy a thirty dollar like Mr. Coffee machine, the water's not really getting to between one ninety five and two oh five. It's getting like one eighty. Uh-huh. Uh and so it's not getting the right extraction from the coffee. And another thing that happens is we like I, my coffee pot I have at home uh goes in instead of being on a burner, it has an insulated coffee pot. So uh-huh. it brews into there so it's like an air pod in a coffee shop where it's not cooking constantly. Right. So that, that I always recommend people, if you're not going to spend, if you don't want to spend like $200 on a coffee machine, that's going to make it hot enough. At least get one that's going into an insulated coffee pot instead of sitting on the burner. Ah, okay. Huh. I never thought of that. It makes it, it makes a really big difference. Cool. And they stay, they stay hot for like three hours. So. Yeah. Well, that, that technology has really come a long way too. Yeah. So, um, I had some another funny coffee story, and I can't remember what it was now. It might have been a, a tea story. I can't remember. But uh, and so, like, what do you do like when you're not doing the coffee thing? Is you were interested in music? Do you still pursue that? Yep. Oh, yeah. We play just about every weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, around town, and we actually had a gig last night. Oh, okay. So I'm a little bit what? hoarse and tired from that. <laughs> What's the name of the group? We're called Backbeat. We have we actually have my brothers and I are in two bands. One of them we started with a customer from the shop. Oh. Uh, we're called Prestige Grease. And that's more of a... It started off as a blues band, and now it's kind of morphed into we play whatever we like. But And what's the other band? Backbeat. Okay, and what... So that's like... Uh, 
when we were real little, we were a Beatles oh, cover band. Oh, okay. So we th- that band has actually been together since 1998. I was going to say, I think I remember you guys Probably. getting, yeah, yeah. From, back, <laughs> from the township. Okay. Yeah, so we've wow. been around for a very long time. And that's why I look way older than 30. Oh, man, that's a, that's a whole other can of worms you could open up right there yes. with the uh, with the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the interest in the Beatles, how did that come about? Uh, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but when we were real little. <clears throat> not real little, but I was seven. Uh, and This is roughly what year? 1997. Okay. Uh, and so we, I think our mom liked the band Hanson. Okay. And so we kind of liked him. And then our dad said, let me play the Hanson from my day. And he uh, made us listen to Meet the Beatles. And then we just got really into the Beatles. And then that kind of evolved into liking all kinds of classic rock. And so now we kind of, that band plays just, I mean, I always say we play what we like, which is yeah. mostly classic rock, like 60s, 70s mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So uh, embarrassing confession. I might have said this on the podcast before, uh, or I told people at trivia shows I host, is um, I knew who Paul McCartney was before I knew who the Beatles oh, were. Really? <laughs> In my defense, I was seven, <laughs> and Wings had hits on the radio, okay. and the Beatles had broken up four years previously. But then uh, in 1975 or six, they re-released Got to Get You Into My Life as a single, Capital did, to promote the Beatles catalog. Okay. And that charted. And then I quickly, I saw Hard Day's Night on TV, and I quickly put two and two together, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like the old Billy Crystal joke. Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? Um, so, yeah. So I've, I quickly got caught up, but then the Beach Boys took over uh, shortly after that. So Boys. Yeah. Do you do any Beach Boys stuff? Uh, I don't think we can sing that well. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, um, yeah, a, a buddy of mine who's in a band in, um, in Maryland, he's a school teacher, but he's in a band, he wrote me and said, hey, we want to start doing some Beach Boy stuff, but not like the surf stuff, or like, what's post-pet sound stuff can you recommend? And I sent him a whole list. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I go on these deep dives occasionally. Do you do that a lot with the Beatles? Uh, playing-wise, or, or just going Listen, into Just listening. Dives? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I... For a while, I don't know if I could do it anymore, but I used to be able to name, like, the order of every album. Uh, so, I, I mean, I've heard probably every Beatles song, like, yeah. at least 40, 50 times. Well, I was talking with my daughter about this the other day. The confusing thing is, uh, and I, I have most of the Beatles albums now in my iPod, is that... Um, the U.S. releases and the U.K. releases are different. Yeah. There are singles that were between album singles, which I didn't know until a couple of years ago was a very common thing in Britain, even yeah. though I'm a big music fan. Uh, and something that was done all the way up and through the 90s, bands did mm-hmm. this. Um, but, yeah, so that's that messes everything. So I don't know which one I'm supposed to be listening to. Well, that's funny because, like, my dad grew up with the American versions. And when all this stuff came out on CDs, they were all the CDs were the English versions. So my brothers and I grew up with the English versions of all the Beatles albums. Oh, okay. And so, like, my dad would refer to things off Beatles 65. I'm like, what the hell is on? I don't know what Beatles 65 is. Yeah. Or, like, the American Rubber Soul has songs from the English Help on it. Right, it's right. It's all confusing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't even know what versions I have, but, um, I, yeah, I'm able to amass my collection. And uh, do you suggest, like, go for, like, the, the stuff that's not uh, the, the hit singles, as it were? Or, is, or do you just kind of... Well, I always think, like, up through... Probably Sgt. Pepper. Every song on their album, to me, is good. That's true, like, yeah. There's a yeah. few that are like, eh. Yeah. Uh, but really up into up through Sgt. Pepper, like, the whole album is good, and then they had the singles that just happened to be really, really good. But I never, think, I never thought they slacked on album cuts. 
Like they never just said, "We have three good songs. Let's f- fill up like eleven." That's more true. Yeah, yeah, album. yeah. It's like they were just cranking out good stuff. Definitely. What's your favorite Beatles album? Mm, I don't know. Probably Revolver. Okay. Cool. That's All right, we, we could have a whole new podcast yeah, doing Beatles talk. Yeah, do a, do a deep dive on uh, <laughs> Beatles and the Beach Boys and and all that. What other kind of classic rock do you like? I'm just uh, like Stones, Zeppelin. So the, the big, the yeah, big guns. Hendrix. Cool. Do you guys ever like have any uh, performances in your in your shop? I yeah, we actually uh, just last month I think did did one in the parking lot where oh. we'll we'll stay open a couple like extra hours and. We set up in front of the dumpster because that's where we belong. And <laughs> uh, we we actually now it's starting to get because it's just started off as like, hey, let's play here for fun. That's our blues band started off like we didn't have anywhere to play, so we're like, let's just play at the shop. And then it started turning into this larger thing. And now, like the next time I do one, uh, I'd like to have more other vendors involved because I was trying to get like the brewery next door, Big Ash, involved. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And it's all tricky with the alcohol permits. And right, right. Who can do what? And so we had a couple people there from, uh, we were working with uh, Slow Food Cincinnati, trying to get uh, fitters out there. But it was like, it was very last minute on my part. So it didn't, we didn't get everything set up the way I would have liked. But we still had like a hundred something people show up, which is, I mean, the most fun part about it. But it's a a good time. So in Backbeat. Is it like, is one of you Paul and one of you John? Well, when we were kids, it, it was that way. I, yeah, was, so I, thought, okay. I was the John Lennon. Oh, there you go. Uh, nice. And then and everybody had their part. Right, right. But then it started getting to the point where we're like, this is kind of weird being somebody else. Let's just start playing what we like. And You guys had a lot of traction for a while because I remember you getting a lot of press, in, yeah. at least in the township and yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, we, we ended up, our, our big thing was we were on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Oh, okay. When that was a thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, and we played on there. And uh, then we did, I mean, we always laugh. Our dad's friend always says, you guys started off at the very top and slowly worked your way to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to get, uh, we used to only have to play for like 30 minutes and we get paid very well when we were kids. Yeah. So it was very nice. And So people just would lose interest in the Beatles or did you guys kind of like want to do other stuff or how did that? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't really remember. It was, yeah. I was like nine and 10. Oh, okay. But, yeah. No, it, I mean, it, we all got into music and had yeah. a good time with it. That's we got cool. to do a lot of cool stuff. Like, we got to open for Little Richard. Uh, we got to play with the Beach Boys, or one of the incarnations of the Beach Boys, a couple times. Uh, Probably Mike and Bruce's yes. Beach Boys. Uh-huh. There yes. you go. Yeah. That was in, uh, it was, what was the, some some park, Beulah Park or something in, up in Columbus, I think. That sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah, played yeah. there twice. We just saw Brian Wilson uh, oh, did. back in October. Was it good? I, I hear hit and miss things about him. It, it is very hit and miss. Uh, Brian doesn't seem to be as into it. I mean, we know he's had his issues and stuff. Right. So, and my daughter kept saying, like, does, does he really want to be here? And yeah. it's like my wife and I saw the he do he did Pet Sounds live. We saw him at a casino out uh, west of Louisville, and he was a little more animated. But I mean, the band carries a lot of the weight. Al Jardine's with them. Fun fact: you'll see more actual Beach Boys if you go see Brian Wilson than you will if with you see Boys. Mike, <laughs> because the beat brand that the Beach Boys is Mike Love and Bruce, Bruce Johnston, Johnson. and Brian Wilson tours with uh, Al Jardine. 
Uh, Blondie Chapman joins him. Blondie was oh, a, really? Yeah. So he was in for two years, 72 to 74. Okay. So he counts. And then um, David Mark sometimes plays with both of them. So if he shows up, <laughs> then you've got, yeah. So it's really kind of strange. It's like when there the cars and the new cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and well, the Todd Rundgren's cars. I'll tell you, the guy that's, uh, I can't remember his name now. It escapes me. The, his, that's the uh, his musical director, Brian's music director. That guy is a genius. I'd like to see him tour on his own. Really? He sounds just like Carl. He does all the Carl songs. Oh, okay. And he sounds just like Carl. Really? Yeah, you listen to Darling, you're like, Oh, wow, this is great. Yeah. So all that stuff was great. Uh, Al had to help him along on some of the lyrics because he would forget some of the, yeah. like, yeah. But, I mean, you know, I think Mike and Bruce put on a better overall show. But, I mean, there's there's opinions in the Beach Boys camp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm Team Mike, but I'm not mad at Brian, where I think Team Brian hates Team Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, we, we do a whole podcast about that about sometime. About the Beach Boys. Yeah, awesome. Well, great, man. This has been a lot of fun. Um, learned a lot about coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so people can find uh, you on right there on Beachmont Avenue, right? If you're going into the township, as we say, it's on the left. Right, right at, after the Across the levee. The levee. Yep. And if you're exiting the township, it's, right before the levee. Yes. If you've uh, gone to the levee, then you, you've gone too far. Espresso. Yeah, yeah. But I recommend I had one this morning. It was tasty. Uh, I met with somebody there a couple weeks ago who wanted to talk about T-shirts and okay. things like that. And I, yeah, we sat Which down. Actually, I think you know Trace who works for me. Trace um, Amidas. I don't he, know. I think he worked here for a while. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him to say hello to. Yes. Yeah. Weird. He's weird. Okay. <laughs> haven't got any dirt on him, I'm afraid. But, yeah, I worked uh, – he was my relief in Over the Rhine one time. Okay. Like, sometimes I have to work in the stores. It's uh, it's crazy that uh, all the stuff we do. But yeah. – Anyway, so um, online presence, anything like that, do you guys have? Or you uh, just... We have a website, and then each store has its own Facebook. But, okay. I mean, it's mostly just everything uh, is in person. Okay. Well, I, you... I usually I use the Facebook to tell people if the espresso machine is broken. There you go. <laughs> or, or if we're closed. All right, well, if you're heading into the town, there's only a couple ways to get into the township, and most people go across Beachmont Avenue. So stop in and get yourself some good coffee. And uh, the last thing we need to take care of is we have the uh, – our guests will usually pick a um, a word or phrase that they can use to take 20% off uh, T-shirts on our websites or uh, in any of the three stores. So uh, what would you like that word to be? Does it have to be related to coffee? Or nope. It can be anything you want. Uh, kerfuffle. Kerfuffle? Uh, of course it should that, be kerfuffle. That's a good Canadian word. <laughs> there you go. In honor of Tim Hortons with <laughs> kerfuffle. All right. So say if, uh, kerfuffle, which I believe is – uh, K-E-R-F-U-F-F-L-E. I know that because I used to work at a place in Dayton, and they uh, had a separate Canadian arm. It was the folks that made your uh, notebooks, Mead okay. notebooks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a uh, – we would send out emails, and they wanted to do something different for the Canadians. So I'm like, well, we should do things – use words like keener and things like that that are very Canadian. And uh, kerfuffle, of course, is one. They say that, and I had to look up the exact spelling of it. So it's K E R F U F F L E, uh, uppercase, <laughs> lowercase, folks, doesn't matter. Uh, now, yeah, take twenty percent off. Uh, CincyShirts.com, WorldSchoolShirts.com, order. And uh, Zach, thanks a lot for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. Zack Snyder, like I said, I could have gone all day about talking about the Beatles and the Beach Boys. I mean, it, it, you know, let alone talk about coffee. Uh, maybe we should have Mike Breen back from City Beat and have a general roundtable discussion about the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Uh, 
It might be fun. So if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. Use that same email to donate to the podcast via PayPal or Venmo, and be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. And as always, please go back, if you haven't already, and plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Lots of great episodes, the famous, the not famous, they're all great, all connected to Cincinnati, all connected to what makes this town so great. And today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Kerfuffle. And I believe that's K-E-R-F-U-F-F-L-E. All lowercase, all uppercase. It is all one word. And uh, yeah, use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can use that code in our physical, or as we say, brick-and-mortar stores, and over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.